Good morning and welcome to San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. So glad you're here. My name is Matt Wilson. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And this morning we have a lot to celebrate. First off, if you are here for the Point Loma Nazarene University graduation and are a graduate, congratulations. If you are a parent or a grandparent or somebody related to a graduate, congratulations. Uh, so glad that you have made it through that journey and, and congratulations on the graduation. We got so much to celebrate this morning. First off, obviously Mother's Day to all the mothers. Happy Mother's Day, glad you're here as well. Yeah, let's give it up for the moms. We also are celebrating both of our sacraments, uh, the sacrament of baptism as well as the sacrament of communion, and really looking forward to that this morning. All of that, all of those celebrations, we come together not just to do those kind of celebrations, but ultimately to do the thing that is behind me, to lift up Christ. That even in our celebrations, we are lifting up Christ. That's what we've come to do. So to begin that, I'd love to invite Henry Hooper uh, to give us our call to worship. Good morning, everyone. As Matt said, my name is Henry Hooper. And this morning I'll be reading Psalm 23, one of the most well-known psalms that was written by David. And it goes like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord. If you're able, let's stand this morning of our God's faithfulness. Celebrate you, Lord. Hallelujah. I Filled with anointing. 
in us. The life we now live in body, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. Let us pray together this morning. Oh God, we come before you with thankful hearts and we thank you for the life of Jesus, the life that resembled the God in which we serve and love, that you have emptied yourself for us so that we would be made new by your spirit. Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. We sing of the same great light, come on. The same great light that broke the dark, the same great peace that calmed the seas, hallelujah, it's living in me.
This morning, we get to celebrate the baptism of Mahima Digzit. It's a big weekend for her, as we were just talking backstage. She graduated yesterday, which is pretty awesome. Give it up for Mahima. Baptism is a sacrament for us in which we celebrate the significance of Christ's death and resurrection. And that we, by faith, participate in that death and resurrection. And that we are then brought into new life. That we are bound to the church. That we are bound to the body of Christ. And then we celebrate the fact that we have risen from the dead. So, as is our tradition, uh, we've asked Mahima to tell a little bit about her story and about how she got here. So, Mahima. Hello, thank you everyone for being here. Um, I wanted to share a little bit of my testimony and why I decided to get baptized. Over the years in college at Point Loma, I have learned more about what it means to accept Christ as my personal savior. This became especially real to me when facing my own trials from stresses in school to those outside of school. Coming to Point Loma, then attending the First Church of the Nazarene, I was immersed in a wonderful community of love and support. And I learned that God is there in every aspect of my life. He is there in my weeping, and he is there in my laughing. In all of it, I came to know that God is good, and he cares about me. With that, I want to continue leaning into God for guidance and make him the reason I live this life. And I wanted to make that known by getting baptized today. So thank you all for being here for this special moment. Mahima. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And yes. that's <laughs> Nailed it. Love the excitement. Do you acknowledge him as your Lord and Savior? And that through his blood and resurrection, that you are brought to new life? Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> Do you also, as a member of the body of Christ, the church, do you commit to following Jesus all the days of your life and that you would grow in grace and in love of God and neighbor? Yes. Wonderful. Mahima, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One of the many gifts of being a part of the church, right? Being able to see our brothers and sisters, the people that um, are with us, giving themselves to Christ this morning. Um, kids, I'm happy that you were able to see that too, but now we are going to dismiss you into children's church. And teens, if you're out there, this is the time we're going to dismiss you into um, time with Lexi, our new youth pastor, as you are being formed and shaped in God's word. Um, let us pray this prayer over our children and teens. This is my prayer for you, our children. 
Amen. Have a good time, kids. See ya. If you're able to, let's stand together and continue our worship to God. Giving thanks for new life, for new creations and new mercies given to us every day.
go, we must respond to your love. Oh, we must go, respond to our neighbors. Oh, we must go, respond to the brokenhearted. We must go, oh, to the crushed in spirit. We must go. God, I am reminded of your word that without nothing, without love, there's nothing to do. That we must move and act in ways that show your love and mercy to others, Lord. Would our hearts and our minds be motivated more and more to see that example from Jesus and apply that love that we see into our lives. Apply that love to the relationships that we have made or have yet to make. Lead us in your love, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and say your word. Amen. You may be seated. No one's coming up because, hold on, Ashley. I need you to stay up here because I need someone to pass a piece to when we're going to pass a piece together. Let's do That's that. A great segue. Thank you. Thank Very you. Thank good you. At Hold that. the applause. Thank you. Um, so, we started this tradition um, way while back. Last week, we kind of restarted it again as we're feeling more and more, uncomfort- more, and more comfortable um, with COVID guidelines. And so, we're trying to bring back. This element that's one of my favorite elements of the service, which is pass a piece. And I explained it last week as you can go to a neighbor that you know or you don't know and say, may the peace of Christ be with you. And in response, you would say, and also with you. But I know some of you are just going to be looking around for people wondering what lunch plans are. And in many ways, that is a piece of Christ being passed as we are looking to be in community together. So would you stand and pass the peace of Christ this morning?
Wow, what a rowdy crowd we have here today in church. So good to be with all of you this morning. My name is Tyler, and I have the pleasure of being on staff here. Feel free to say your last goodbyes or hellos as you make your way back to your seat. I just uh, want to give you guys a quick heads up about some things going on in the life of our church. Uh, the first is this. If you take a look at your bulletin or up on the screen here, there's a really cute QR code with a, with a dinosaur in the middle. If you'll scan that with your smartphone, you'll be taken to a link that has a very simple Google form that you can fill out with your name, your contact info, and if you have anything that you want the church office to know or a prayer request you'd like to share with us, this is a really easy way to share that with us. And we look over those responses and pray over you. So we'd love to know that you're here. If you'll take a couple moments to scan that QR code and fill out this form, we'd really appreciate that. If you have any trouble scanning that code, you can fill out the same form on a clipboard at the Welcome Center or just find one of the staff members here and we'd be happy to help you out with that. All right, this summer, VBS is happening again. July 18th through the 22nd, VBS is our summer sports camp, and this is a huge outreach and missions opportunity that we have in the church. Hundreds of kids coming by um, to be a part of this camp, and we would love your help to put it on. There's so many volunteer opportunities, whether you want to hang out with kids all afternoon or you just have a couple like hours to spare to help check in at the beginning of the afternoon. We would love to have your help. It's a four-hour commitment or less if you just want to help with registration. Um, so please let us know in the church office. Send us an email or contact Jordan at sdfcnas.com, and we would love to find a place for you to help plug in and help make VBS happen this summer. Next week on Sunday, uh, from Sunday to Sunday, next Sunday through the following Sunday, will be our time span for church board elections. We are in the season where we're electing five new members to our church board. Um, this year, it'll look a little bit different than years past. You'll have the opportunity to vote either online or in person, not both. But you can ask for vote either online or in person. Next Sunday, everyone will get an email with a link that's customized for your specific online ballot. And you'll also get like a voter resource guide and all that type of stuff. You can vote online through that link. Or if you want to vote with a paper ballot, those will be available in service not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, May 22nd. And you can fill out your paper, ba paper ballot and turn it in then. So just to get it on your radar, look for that email next Sunday or be in service two Sundays from now to cast your ballot for our church board elections this year. And finally, Matt mentioned it at the beginning of the service, but happy Mother's Day to all the women out here. Round of applause for all the moms. Let's, let's give it up. We know here at SCFC, we know that motherhood looks, uh, can look like a lot of different things. It's not just biological children of your own, but it could be a maternal bond that you have as an aunt or a teacher or just a mentor to somebody. And so this is an opportunity that we have at this church to honor all of the women in our congregation. And so we have a couple different ways to do that. First of all, we have these beautiful uh, succulents and pink tissue paper down here. These are free for anybody who wants to come and grab one to take with you, moms and all the ladies here, please take one. Or even, it looks like we probably we have enough for some people to take two, or if you, uh, if your mom or a woman in your life is not here, but you're going to see them today, feel free to take one and bring it to them. We want to get rid of all of these before the end of service, so please come up and take one afterwards. We'd love for you to, to take one of these home. We also have the opportunity to do our Mother's Day donations, and this is how this system normally works if you haven't been here on Mother's Day before. We've got a little strip of three raffle tickets. We'll have a basket full of them on your way out. These are not raffle tickets for you to win anything, but what you can do is tear them up and we'll have three baskets and each of those baskets represent a different organization that supports women in our community. Uh, College Area Pregnancy Services, Generate Hope, which is a local organization that supports uh, survivors of human trafficking, 
and Young Lives, which is a Young Life program specifically for teen moms. So each ticket on this section of three tickets is worth $2, so that's $6 total. You can give all three tickets to one organization or tear them up and divvy them up into the different baskets, and we as a church will be, will be totaling those up and giving that amount of money to each of these organizations, which with the amount of people here should equal around $700 split up across all these organizations to support the amazing work they do uh, to resource women in our community. So on your way out, please see our greeters and grab one of these uh, sections of tickets. We'd love for you to split those up and donate as you see fit. Um, and we would love to give that in honor of the women in our church this Mother's Day. Uh, that's all I have. And with that, I'm going to invite forward the men's quartet for us to continue worshiping together this morning. was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in, and then a little light from heaven filled my soul. It bathed my heart in love and wrote my name above, and just a little talk with Jesus makes me whole. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus, let us tell him all about our trouble. He will hear our faintest cry, and he will answer by and by. Talk with Jesus makes it right. I may have doubts and fears, my eyes be filled with tears, but Jesus is the friend who watches day and night. I go to him in prayer, he knows my every care, and just a little talk with Jesus makes it let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry, and he will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn in, and you know a little fire is burning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our faintest cry, and he will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn in, and you know the fire is burning, you will find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Larry Angione, and I'll be reading the gospel uh, verse today, which is John 13, 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, 
he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall, not, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not every one was clean. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The word of the Lord. Thank you, Larry, and all those who have participated in worship to this point. What a privilege to be in God's house together. If you're praying with us toward Pentecost in our daily uh, prayer guide, you know that today's uh, prayer was where Jesus tells them to ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the field. I want to just kind of reiterate uh, Tyler's announcement on our uh, VBS outreach, for we are praying for workers for the field. Uh, every church I've served, there have been significant members in that church, great strong Christians whose first contact was Vacation Bible School. And I want to reinforce that this is the largest outreach that we have in our entire church year. More kids come out to this in the range from 200 to 400 over the years than attend our church. This is where we reach into our neighborhoods. If you can spare time. Now, it's afternoon. That means some folks in my generation uh, who aren't working during those hours need to be part of this volunteer outreach. So we need you. We need you to check in and say you can help with Vacation Bible School. And that daily prayer guide is also a reminder every day to be praying for Pastor D and Kay as they're in this journey of sabbatical. Let's keep them in our prayers. We come to the scripture, which Larry just read for us, in John chapter 13. This is the turning point from Jesus' public ministry to his private ministry with the disciples. And for the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at what Jesus says to us in this setting what it is for us to come to these expectations of Jesus as modern-day disciples, just as they had a response to Jesus in his day. 
He wants to spend his last days before the cross with this intimate group of followers to pour into them his purpose, to pour into them the grace of the Holy Spirit. What they knew and what they felt were two different things, and so often that's true in my life, I'm sure in yours as well. They knew that Jesus was Messiah. They had observed his miracles. They had seen the sick healed. They had seen the dead raised to life. They had seen the multitudes fed. They saw the crowd reaction at the triumphal entry. They were ready to crown him king, and yet he kept talking about dying, and they're trying to reconcile what all of that is about so that what they knew and what they felt were in conflict. They knew this truth, but their emotions were uncertainty and confusion. What is happening as Jesus is speaking about dying? Jesus is ready to reveal to his most intimate disciples his purpose, all that he has in store for them in the days to come, but they were not ready to receive it. In the other gospel accounts, we hear that there was some bickering among the disciples on the road as they came to the house that day. They were arguing over who was going to be the greatest among them. Now, when they would come into a house after traveling the dusty roads of Palestine, it was common that uh, there would be a towel and a basin there at the door, and they would wash their feet. Now, in a wealthy home, a servant would be there for all the travelers who would come, and they would wash the feet of the visitors uh, in a traveling group like Jesus and his disciples. It may have been a, a duty they rotated around, or maybe they were to wash their own, but they were all so just kind of upset with each other <laughs> that nobody took that task on. And when you recline at table, and you've been walking in sandals on the dusty roads, and you have long robes, and you recline, and your feet are in somebody else's face as you're reclining at table, it becomes obvious that nobody has washed their feet. And Jesus gets up and wraps a towel around himself and begins to go around the room. Jesus knows he's ready to introduce the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, and they're still grumbling. He has to calm their hearts. He has to focus them on what it is he wants them to do. And he proceeds to illustrate that. When he'd been speaking of them on the road, he said, the greatest among you is he who serves. He even brought a child and said before them, unless you become humble like this little child, you have no place in my kingdom. And yet they hadn't caught on to that. And so now he's going to illustrate it once again. And I love the words in that first verse. He comes before them, and now he shows them the full extent of his love. Now, we would think that the cross would be the full extent of Jesus' love, and that's why this foot washing is so crucial, because it's a foreshadowing of the cross. It is service. Jesus' deepest thought of who they are and what they need to learn. Jesus takes us along by baby steps. Maybe it's too difficult for us to think about bearing our cross. But if I think about the image of the towel that Jesus took and wrapped around himself and washed their feet and dried their feet and said, I want you to take up your towel of service. If I, your Lord and Savior, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. And so we have this image of service that comes to us, this image of taking up the towel and serving each other just as Jesus has served us. Without a word, Jesus goes to them one by one, kneels before them, and washes James' feet. 
and John's feet and Philip's feet and Bartholomew's feet. Can you picture yourself around that table and Jesus coming to your feet? We are disciples just as they are disciples. Often we, we picture Jesus serving us at the Lord's table as we will gather at the table later, but can we picture Jesus washing our feet? I've read the word of Isaiah in 52 and quoted in Romans 10 that says, beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I have taken that at my age as a metaphorical statement because my feet are not beautiful. They are not only the feet of a guy in his 70s, but they're the feet of a distance runner that have lost toenails and things have not grown back right. And they are... I can understand when he comes to Peter, Peter says, you're not washing my feet. There's no way you, my Lord and Savior, are going to wash my feet. And it's a matter of vulnerability, isn't it? It's a matter of being open before Christ, of saying, I need everything you have to give me. Not based upon my work for you, but your gift to me. And Jesus says, Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. And Jesus comes and washes our feet and teaches us about service. Now that I, your Lord and Savior, have washed your feet, we begin to recognize where Jesus is taking us on this journey. He says, you don't realize now, later you will understand. And so he completes the, the circle of the table, washing Peter's feet, who is going to deny he even knows Jesus, washing Judas' feet, who is going to betray him, knowing he's not clean, yet he offers him the same courtesy of washing his feet, of offering him the cup and the bread. He invites us all. And then he asks a question and makes a statement. Let me read to you verses 13 through 17 and the question that he gives us. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. But now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. And then he makes the statement, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. To take the knowledge and put it into action. That's what Jesus always calls us to do. What we were talking about in Sunday school this morning, Jesus never separates our salvation from our service. He ties it together. He connects our duty with his grace. How we serve him, how we love, and how we show that love to each other. And so right along with the disciples, he asked us, do you understand what it is I have done for you? We cannot come close to God while drifting away from each other. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, first go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters with people before you approach God. Serve each other. Jesus is teaching us here, you must learn to serve each other before you come to the sacred moment I'm about to give to you at the table. It's all about our dedication to him and our service to him. And so relationship with people and dirty feet leads us to proper relationship with God and the sacrament. And we get our foot washing in all kinds of ways. 
You might be helping the homeless. You might be working at one of the charities we're donating, donating to today. You might be sharing with a neighbor in need. You might be reaching out like in the grief support group that starts tomorrow night. You might be ministering to each other in so many ways. It is essential that we minister to each other if we're going to understand what God ministers to us, the love that he gives to us and for us. True greatness comes through service, and Jesus always is reemphasizing that in the word. And so Jesus' style of love loves no matter what. Even in this room where there is bitterness and there's all kinds of hurt feelings going around among the disciples, he deals with the emotions of the room. It combats bitterness and rivalry and anger and all the things that would come. And some of the most sacred things in our lives have simple symbols. We were passing the peace. We do a handshake or a fist bump. We, we recognize to each other. I, I wear a wedding ring signifying the, the sacred nature of my relationship with Luann. A towel is that kind of symbol for us. Jesus says, take up this towel of service and serve each other. Don't try to come to me if you don't have right relationships with each other. He calls us into that activity each day of our lives. And now as Jesus continues this discussion in preparing the disciples for the table, there are four questions, really they're interruptions or objections from various disciples. First of all, Peter, back in chapter 13 and verse 36, says, where are you going? You keep talking about going away. Where are you going? That you say, we can't go now. Where is this place? And Jesus uses that question to springboard into this wonderful paragraph of trust. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. And so for Peter's objection, where are you going? He says, trust me. Trust me, Peter. He says to us, trust me. Where are you taking us in the midst of this life, Lord? Trust me. I read a story in Henry Nouwen's book, Sabbatical Journeys, of two friends. They were trapeze artists, the flying rondellas, and they were explaining to Henry the role in their trapeze act. One said, I am the flyer, and the other said, I am the catcher. The flyer's job is to leap and float in midair until the catcher catches him. And the catcher catches him says, the flyer never tries to catch the catcher. You're not flying through the air hoping you find something to clutch to. He says, my complete trust is in the one who says he will catch me and is trained to catch me. Jesus says, you've trust in God. Trust in me. I will catch you. I will lift you up. I will care for you. He calls Peter and the other disciples to this ultimate trust that he is able to keep us, able to keep us from falling, as we read last week from Jude's great benediction. We trust in him completely. At the point of Peter's failure, Jesus asked him and the others to trust. And he paints a picture of heaven in terms of relationship, not location. In my Father's house are many rooms, a place where you can rest, many opportunities for refreshment. 
and I go to prepare a place for you. And that's the most personal pronoun for you we have in Scripture. He might as well have gone around the room and said, I've gone to prepare a place for you, Peter, and a place for you, James, a place for you, John, and for us. He prepares just what we need that we might rejoice in him. And we look forward to what that means on the day when we see him. And then he says, I will come back for you. Which introduces the next interruption or the next question. This one's Thomas. We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And built into Thomas' question seems to be a little bit of, uh, of works righteousness. You know, if, if you tell us a destination, we'll figure out the way. And Jesus says, I am. And every time Jesus does the I am sayings in Scripture, it reminds him immediately of Yahweh, I am that I am. And Jesus has said, I am the light. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the Lord of all. I am Messiah. And here, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Don't wonder about what the way is. (laughs) I am the way. I'm not just pointing you in a direction. I am the direction. We find our life in him and live that life for him. In Proverbs, it says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that is death. But Jesus says, find the true way. No one comes to the Father but by me. I am the way. Walk in that way. And so heaven is not a mysterious destination, but a daily relationship with Christ. And then our translation into heaven is just a continuation of that relationship. Well, Philip is the next one to interrupt. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. And Jesus answers basically, okay, so you haven't been listening, have you? (laughs) I've been with you all this time, and you still don't get it, do you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. John gives us this account decades after Jesus spoke these words, and he's lived that life with the early church. He's lived that life and and knows the truth of Hebrews chapter 1. He is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. If we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father. They are one. And so it's not a matter of showing the Father. He is one with the Father. And Jesus begins to share that with Philip. He's about to introduce the Holy Spirit in this wonderful passage in John chapter 14. And they still don't catch on. They're not ready to talk about the Spirit. They haven't even connected Him with the Father yet. (laughs) But listen to what He says after that question. If you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another counselor, another of the exact same kind, to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you. I've been with you and he will live within you. (laughs) The Holy Spirit is coming to, to live within us. He says we are one. And then he connects us in this whole Godhead. Listen in verse 20 of chapter 14. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. He connects us with this unity. He ties us with his love. 
And we recognize that we are a part of this picture that God is painting for us in the upper room. Another counselor to be with you forever. Yes, I'm going away, but another is coming. And I will live within you for the rest of your days. And so, to Peter's question, he responds, I am Lord. To Thomas's question, he says, I am the way to the Father. To Philip's question, he says, I am the revelation of the Father. And now Judas, not Iscariot, also known as Thaddeus, says, why are you going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? The basic question is, why do you love us and not the world? <laughs> Jesus doesn't answer that question because it's not the right question. He says it is for the world. He ties obedience to love. Obedience is a demonstration of love. Love is the inspiration for obedience. Over and over in these upper room passages that we'll be looking at for this next month are, if you love me, obey me. If you love me, demonstrate that love in obedience. And he wants them to see that here in the midst of these questions or interruptions that keep coming up. And so he says, I do love the world. And I'm demonstrating it to you. And then when you share it with them, they are welcome as well. Whoever hears and obeys is open and welcome at this table. If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. I want you to know this so you'll know the Father has sent me. And they're getting closer to what attitude he wants to be in their hearts when he shares with them the cup and the bread. They're seeing a little more of what it means to have him wash their feet and that they are to wash each other's feet. He begins to feel a little more confident of the church that he's going to leave in their hands as we move up toward Pentecost. We begin to recognize now in this love scene in the upper room with Jesus that love, obedience, and service all goes together. I read a wonderful story about obedience. A man named Robert Cooperschmidt was 81 years old. He had never flown a plane, but he often flew with his friend Wesley Sickle out of Indianapolis, and they would fly around various destinations in Indiana. And this day, his friend Robert Sickle, who was 52, took off, and as soon as they got to cruising altitude, had a massive heart attack and died at the controls. And Robert took the controls and the headset that he had seen his friend Wesley use time and time again and began calling out for help. And some people on the same frequency started instructing him. Don't panic. This is what you have to do. And two other pilots got in touch with him. Soon they were flying right next to him. They just said, level off. We'll get to where you are, and then we'll guide you in. They said, we're going to the nearest airport. I love this part of the story. The regional airport in Indianapolis is Mount Comfort. <laughs> and surely he needed comfort. But they started telling him all the things that he would need to do to land the airplane. They talked about climbing and descent, and they talked about steering and landing. I was going to say they're giving me a crash course, but that's not appropriate <laughs> terminology here. But they gave him the, the, the short version of what he needed to know to land the airplane. 
And they circled the airport three times until he was comfortable with it. One of the men who was flying the other plane said, okay, I'm, I'm going to demonstrate the landing, so you'll be able to watch it from behind me, and this is how I go in. And then the other one, circling with him, said, okay, now we're going to take the plane down. This is how you do it. This is how you gently you hold that throttle. This is how you're supposed to land the plane. This is what your speed should be, and walked him through every step. And Robert came to the runway, and the nose bounced a few times, and the tail finally came down, and he skidded past the end of the runway and landed in a patch of soggy grass unharmed. He was interviewed afterwards and said, I just obeyed what they told me to do. My life depended on it. And I thought about obedience to Jesus and that quote from Robert, my life depended on it. My eternal life depends on how I obey the words of Jesus, how I respond to what he tells me, how I receive what he gives at the table in the next scene. How he says, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Whenever you eat of this and drink of this, you proclaim my death until I come again. We begin to realize that first we come to service, then we come to the table. We take up the towel before we take up the elements of the sacrament. We celebrate who Jesus is in our lives. So as we partake at the Lord's table, Let's not only picture Jesus serving us, but serving us after he has washed our feet. When we were grumbling and in the wrong mood and he humbles us and we are vulnerable before him to receive what it is he has to give. Our ushers are going to come and distribute the elements of communion. We will have them stand at the front if you would come from your aisles and get the elements here. If you're not able to come forward, we'll bring the elements to where you are. Let's pray as we come to this holy time. Father, we love you, and we recognize that you have called us to be servants. And if a servant is what I am, then serving is what I do. May my actions be consistent with your actions. Because you said, now that I, your Lord and Savior, have washed your feet, you should wash each other's feet. Do we understand what you have done for us? Walk us through that understanding and help us to be good receivers of your grace as we receive at your table this morning. In the name of Christ, amen.
Is there anyone else who wishes to be served? Bow and pray together. Father, as we come to this table that you introduced to us while you were among us in Jesus Christ, we come humbly, we come as servants, we come as disciples. We thank you for your grace, which reaches to us. We thank you for your love, which is demonstrated in Christ. And in the very act of the cross that is represented by this bread and this cup, help us to receive it in the spirit in which it is given. Help us to realize that it goes with a commitment to serving one another in love and to recognizing your peace in our lives. And the word says, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, blessed it and broke it, and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. They were so familiar with the covenants of God's people over the years. But here is a new covenant, one that's based completely upon his free gift. He said, the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins, take and drink it in remembrance of Jesus Christ. Father, we love you, and we want to express that love. Thank you for your grace. And we offer our praise in the name of our Savior, Jesus, who taught us to pray this prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let me just leave you with these words from Peter, reflecting on the love of Jesus and his life as he wrote in First Peter. You are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Go in the light of Jesus Christ. God bless you. You're dismissed.